Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue. Faces turn red. And rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Your Detroit Lions and Reddit connection. And now, two guys who know that Delta 8 is not a flight number. Chris and the Riz. Hey, hi ho Lions fans. Welcome to the Detroit Lions Podcast. This is episode 473, the Detroit Lions Podcast draft reaction. She loves, this is the official Detroit Lions Podcast for Reddit. I am your dashing host, Chris. Uh, my good friend and co-host, Jeff the Riz Risen. I'm trying not to say the jackal thing here, brother. How are you doing? How are you doing today? <laughs> Uh, I, I very much enjoyed our pre-show chat about the musical stylings of Jackal. But we got to move on to the Detroit Lions. Now. <laughs> oh God! I started. I just started singing. I just started singing. All right, we got a big show. We got a lot to talk about here today. <laughs> in today's show we're going to walk through the first round of the 2023 nfl draft for the detroit lions we're going to talk a potential scheme scheme change in the offing uh we're going to talk about why we're always so in on hooker a quick bit of salt mining behind the green door and a whole lot more we got a great show lined up riz are you ready to go brother oh yeah let's do it Let's kick this off and break it down. All right. Let's get into it. To reference that anybody who's ever watched the Cannonball Run, the greatest, second greatest movie of the 1970s, by the way. Um, we'll get there we go. Uh, thank you for the subscription, Mr. Chad Hale. I want to thank you for being the last subscriber. You get to be a thing at the beginning of the show. And anyone else, feel free to please subscribe to the show, like the show, and do all those things that helps us get found by the other people that are out there. Help us do the things that we do and keep paying the people that we pay. We're a little special like that. Um, two quick things. Number one, I'm picking up my son from college tomorrow. I have to give him a big congratulations. Double major pre-med honors this year. He's nailed it. Uh, smart kid. Love what he's doing. Wow. Congratulations, boy. Um, also, we have to talk about something that everyone else cares about. Training camp party is teed up. It is going to be on August 5th of this year. Saturday, August 5th. We will be there. Uptown Grill in Commerce Township, as usual. Those who have been there, you know it's a great place. Come out, join us. We will talk about all the the people and folks that are going to be there with us. We'll talk about tickets. They're going to go on sale soon, but make sure to put it on your calendars now. August 5th, 2023, the training camp party. We're whistling. It's draft. We're already the training camp. Let's do it. Riz, let's go. Ready? <laughs> I, I am ready. Their, their Thai, chi, Thai peanut pizza is worth the drive for me alone. Oh, yeah. Aside from seeing you and Andy and various other characters of the Detroit Lions podcast realm. I'd be second to Thai peanut pizza any day. That's oh, a pretty nice beer list. It's taking me back to to Jack. Yeah, no, the thing, I the one thing, and you'll everyone who's seen me there has always seen me with the exact same beer every time. Uh, my hacker for sure, my German Bavarian Weizen, Hefeweizen. Love it. It is just just disrespectful. It's just the right amount of banana e without yeah. being overly banana e. Yeah, yeah, too too many Hefe's get too banana e, and I don't like that as much. Yeah, and, and people are like, what banana that's, that's in the a, that's beer? A smooth one. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I live for that Bavarian wheat beers. All right, let's Sorry. get into it. I, I think our first thing we want to talk about, hey, everybody, how you doing? We'll, uh, we'll get some chats going up here, too, as, as folks are talking. Um, I just want to do a little throwback before we dive into the draft here, Riz, and, and, and remember something. Okay. We got to this point. People were really angry, but there was a guy named Isaiah Simmons that everybody wanted do you remember do you remember i remember you being oh, absolutely yeah. out on him right i mean i remember i remember like well both of us really like like nope 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 but isaiah simmons right just a just a superstar since he's been picked for um the arizona cardinals arizona cardinals number seven overall pick in the 2020 nfl draft yeah and i've seen a lot of people laughing about it but i have to i went back and i looked and i just to bring us down to earth um, our first two picks in that draft were Okuda and Swift. So uh, just let's just a thought back to the damage done I mean, yeah. to the team well, by Quinn. Some necessary context there before we pack on Isaiah Simmons of the Cardinals. But, yeah. You know the um, the amount of people who wanted to take Isaiah Simmons at number three over literally anybody, whether it was a quarterback or a pass rusher or whoever from that draft, um, they wanted him more than they wanted. Yep. Uh, there were people that wanted him more than Joe Burrow. A lot of people thought Joe Burrow was going to suck. Uh, <laughs> those people are pretty quiet right now. Yeah. 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 I remember. So this was at the very end of old Big Drew and Jim show era. Actually, uh, Big Drew had already gone uh, and Jim was doing it. And I was filling in with him a lot. And he was a massive Isaiah Simmons fan. He's like, positionless football. He can play everywhere. <laughs> and my argument was always, yeah, but can he play Anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> and that has been the problem for Arizona. They have not found one position that he plays at a better than average level. They found a few things that he does okay, mm-hmm. but and, and I hit the Riz's right button on this one because I like You this got one. it, bro. <laughs> Celebrate where we can. Well, I said, one of the issues that you're going to have in building a defense around Isaiah Simmons is if the other guys aren't as versatile as him, his versatility is actually a negative instead of a positive because the guys around him can't keep up with what he, all the versatility thinks that he can do. It's, it's kind of like Aiden Hutchinson in a way in Detroit. Like, because Hutchinson can play standing up or with a hand in the dirt or stand up and play as an off-ball linebacker, like it, it makes the other guys around him pigeonholed Okay, it's difficult to find guys that can play around that. The Lions got really lucky with John Kaminsky in finding a guy like that. They paired him with Hassan Reddick, who's also the same guy. Like, what position does Hassan Reddick play? Arizona never figured that out. Nope. What position does David Collins play? I still ain't figured that out either. <laughs> like, the, the, the idea of having this guy who's like a B-plus player at six different positions, it doesn't, doesn't work at all. Doesn't work? Nope. So with that, I just I just saw a lot of people laughing about the fifth year option not being picked up and saying, how about that? All you as Isaiah Simmons lovers. And then I just, you know, I, I, I actually kind of walked through that draft and I said, oh, God, yeah, that was Okuda. Who's our next pick? Ah, Swift. Oh, I, I don't know that I'd be real proud that you were out on Simmons or in on either of the other draft picks at this point. You know, Simmons is still going to play. He just didn't get a fifth year option picked up. The other yeah, two guys aren't even here. He's a- He's a capable player. He is to Arizona what Alex Anzalone is to Detroit. Yep. 
Uh, Basibo passing on Herbert was the real mistake Quinn made. I can't lie. I thought Herbert was going to be a huge bust, but he's better than the NFL and he was in college. Mariz and I both miss on Herbert too. We were, we saw him at the senior bowl. We just, it was, it was not it. That year at the senior bowl, every quarterback was just not freaking it. It was the worst quarterback play that we saw in person. It was easy just to say no and, and, and go back and say, you know, wow, wow, we made a mistake. Right. But there's the thing. And that's, I think we'll talk about that a little bit later in the, in the show. When we did our mock drafts this year, we started them by saying, we don't know. This is crazy this year. And a lot of people got burned by putting stakes in the ground and are now giving bad grades because of those stakes they put in the ground. Quinn had some good conversations about it. We'll talk about some of that stuff coming forward, but um, what a great draft. So you look at the Herbert thing, right? No, everybody was out on Herbert. Had Bob Quinn picked him, he would, people would be talking about Bob Quinn way different than they did today. But if he had picked him back then, they would have talked terrible about him then in that pick. It would have been it would have been crazy. So that's that's one of those good what if situations or scenarios that we can go through. We can go through it in the Patreon podcast at some point in the Slack. Yeah, uh, because that would that would be fun. Like because that would have meant that they wouldn't have made the trade with the Rams and included Jared Goff. They might have taken that offer from the Panthers instead for Matthew Stafford. How different would the world be in that case? That's yeah. that's I'm, sort of the the. The fan fiction historical, you know, historical, what do they call it? Like, renov- not renovation, but revisionist. Whatever. You, know, you all know what I mean. Yeah. But, um, revisionist. I love doing that kind of stuff. I love doing this all that just says. If you ever see me in the shower, I'm talking about things like that. That's what, yeah. that's what. Yeah. Um, so just, just really quick. Shower, Blue and silver nailed it. That was a horrible draft other than the quarterback. As I rolled through that draft, I was just, you know, Jalen Rager popped up. I mean, a whole, I'm like, oof. Like, this is just, yeah, so, it so ugly. Just along with that, I'll, I'll, I'll do a shameless self-promotion here. I went through and I did uh, track the fifth-year options. I did it for DraftWire. Uh, and there was 12 of them picked up. Burrow, Herbert, um, I'm blanking on a couple other guys that, that have been good. Uh, but there was a lot uh, that, I mean, well, one of them's dead. Jeff Gladney unfortunately passed away. He was killed in a car accident. Henry Ruggs is in prison. Um, Isaiah Wynn decided they didn't want to play football. Yeah. So like, there's some pretty darn big misses in that class too. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. yep. Detroit had one of them. Um, and and I would I would dare say that of the misses, Jeff Okuda was one of the better misses in that class. Yep. Like yep. um, I, I think. We'll have pretty Jeff Okuda is like, was he worthy of being the number three pick in retrospect? Heck no. Maybe in that draft. Play, oh, yeah, <laughs> he can. Like he, he, I, I expect him to play at Atlanta's number three outside. I expect him honestly to do fairly well at that Yeah, contract, yeah. either from Atlanta or somewhere else. That's in the range that Emmanuel Mosley got from Detroit this year. Yeah. And like, that's not, that's not terrible. Um, it's not obviously not what we wanted, but it, it could could have been worse. It, it could have been a guy that didn't want to play football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Super Saiyan asked, wait, Herbert balled out in the Senior Bowl. He did ball out in the Senior Bowl, but we watched him all week. We watched him in practice and how he was playing with with everybody around him. So that was, uh, you know, where it was, it was also just like an emotional zero too. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it just was yeah. like he didn't, didn't, he didn't act like he was excited to be there like this year. Malik Cunningham, not a good quarterback, was like effervescent. Like, like he was bouncing around and talking to everybody and showing leadership. He couldn't throw, 
But like he was he he was bought in. Like you could see why teams would like him. Like this guy's gonna be a great teammate. When yep. when we left Mobile, everybody everybody wasn't just us. It was you know national people that were talking about like Justin Herbert just didn't seem like he wanted to be there. Like that's not the best way to endure. I mean, this year's Stetson Bennett, who older than Hendon Hooker, um, decided to skip the Senior Bowl and get arrested and get drunk with his friend. He still went in the fourth round. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, it it is what it not is. Not a good pick. <laughs> I'm gonna call that one now. <laughs> not a good pick. Yeah. Real. All right. Um, I'm going to see what I can do to help Riz's uh, audio out here, folks. We'll see what we can do. Um, we're getting a little bit of cut out here. Um, okay. Was CD Lamb in that draft? Yes. Yes. CD Lamb was in that draft. That was one that would have been uh, super, super fun to have. That could have changed the entirety of the trajectory of the Lions to have a guy like that on the team. He went number 17, I want to say. And Dallas oh. did pick up his option, as they should. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's get through Justin it. Justin Jefferson also in that draft. And nary a soul in Detroit wanted Justin Jefferson that year. Yep. Nary yep. a soul. Nary, nary, and Mary. Uh, all right, let's get with it. Uh, don't forget Trading Cat Party on August 5th, the Uptown Grill. We'll have tickets on sale shortly, like a week or so. But I'll uh, get it on your calendar now. Uh, it's in the evening. There is usually not practice on Sunday after that. And uh, so we do training camp during the day, have a quick break. We meet for some people for lunch every now and then set up and we have the big dinner party. There's food. There's uh, always great guests. We have a great time. It's a lot of fun. So check that out. Um, we've been through remembering the 2020 draft. So let's get into it. The 2023 Lions draft expectations and initial fits. We're going to talk through um, each of the players picked in the draft and uh, we'll get to kind of how we what we think we're going to see from them, how they potentially fit in the Lions offense. And we'll just talk about the pith, the picks and react along the way. Um, I just wonder, this was this was this was an interesting uh, draft. And we said it. We knew it was going to be and we knew there was a, we had a lot. There was confusion on what was really going on. And, you know, some people put a stake in the ground by being right rather than being analytical and a lot you can again we talked about it this year folks that that told you you had they had inside info were absolutely for sure about this stuff you might want to cross them off your list because maybe they aren't what you they kind of you know perpetuated their 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 reputation to be so let's talk through it i mean there's a lot of different thoughts i've seen with such a wide range of draft and the lions here riz let me go first to you since you weren't there on the show that night other than for that brief and beautiful in, uh interjection when we we talked about the picks at, at, at some point um just let's have your overall reaction for, to the the lions draft in uh this year like overall or just the first round well you can, let's start with the first round and then carry it into the rest because I think that may okay. be, first there might round, be a little bit schizo between the two. <laughs> yeah. First round, uh, I like the players a lot. Uh, and I, I if you're going to do the the whole, well, my board value, like they did okay on that. Like Gibbs was my number 14. Campbell was my number 23. It's not really a reach to get them at 12 and 18. Uh, but positional value shocked me, quite frankly, um, especially Campbell. Like I can... I can understand the need to get more explosive on offense, uh, especially when you have more questions about JMO than we want to have. Uh, and, and this is something that, you know, the huge show brought this up and, and huge brought it up to me that, that Wednesday, he's like, who on this team is going to get you the touchdown to go ahead? Who's, who's the guy that really threatens the opposing defense that makes opposing defenses reacted. And he's like, look, I'm on Ross. Great. I agree with him on this. 
Amon Ra is great. He's not really that guy. You know, DJ Shark just wasn't healthy enough to be that guy. J-Mo, I don't think we trust to be that guy. Who's your home run hitter? Jameer Gibbs is your home run hitter. So I, I totally buy that. I love the pick from, from the get-go. I was surprised by it, but I love it. The Campbell one is different, and it was something that I, I'm, I'm quite frankly, I'm still digesting it. Maybe we'll talk through it tonight about how how much it impacts their the way that they're going to play defense. Because I think it's my personal take is it's a it's a fundamental sea change in their defensive approach, and I quite frankly, I'm not I'm not upset by that. No. <laughs> I kind of like the idea of what they're doing with it. It's interesting to me, and I, I wonder how much they're going to go to it. And I wonder how much they will let on that they're going to do that sort of thing. But the Campbell thing was weird because this was a guy that I had mocked at 48 in a couple of different mocks of early versions, mm-hmm. uh, including the one that I wrote when I was in the airport um, coming home from spring break. So it wasn't terribly long ago. I, w- I didn't think he'd fall that far, but I thought, like, man, if, if he does fall, like, I think the Lions will break character here and go for the off-ball linebacker earlier than we all expect. Taking him at 18, though, was a stunner to me. Yeah. But, yeah. again, he's a really good player. He was my number 23 overall player. He was the number one off-ball linebacker on my board by 49 spots where I had Drew Sanders next. And, and actually, I take that back. Dion Henley was number 37. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Henley was in there, but there's no way Henley was going that high because he's small. Yeah. Um, I love the guy, but he's oh, small. Great guy, yeah. So, I was good with that. Second round. My pants came off, and they were unable to be put back on. <laughs> you get me, Sam Laporta, who was a fantastic tight end, but the one that really, really got me was Brian Branch, yeah. who I took in my what, what I would do mock draft. I took him at 18, and he's rated higher than that for me on my overall big board. I love the guy. I think he was the best safety, and I think calling him a safety discredits how good he is because he can do any any defensive back role spot on the field, he can play it and probably play it better than the guy that's there now in Detroit, other than maybe C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Uh, he's that good, folks. He's, he's legit. I don't know why he fell. I'm happy that he fell because it's, it's, it's ideal, man. And, uh, and then just after that, Roderick Martin, I was aware of him, hadn't really studied him. Um, I still haven't, by the way. I need to, I need to get on that. And then uh, uh, Colby Slauson is a guy I had heard the name, was unfamiliar with his game. I knew that I knew that it was at the Shrine Bowl because um, I have Shrine Bowl people that, that talk to me all the time. And uh, uh, our our mutual friend Owen, uh, who coaches offensive line, told me that I'm going to like him. Uh, I haven't watched him yet. I did get a hold of some William and Mary All Twenty Two tape today. <laughs> I plan on watching that soon, but I don't know what to say about him. I, I just got um, from a trusted medical professional in the chat, uh, Brian Branch at 45 relieves gout. So, Jeff, I think we've got something for you there. Um. <laughs> I haven't had a gout flare up in a long time. Like, I think the last one, I had one at a training camp party. It wasn't last year, though. It was the year before. Um also, we've got uh, Branch feels like the St. Brown of the defense. And that's where very much I think is is a great, like great that. analysis. I like that that comp on that. That's, I like uh, that. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, hybrid versus a tweener. We, t- we started with Isaiah Simmons. We talk about Branch. A hybrid can do multiple things. A tweener can't do anything. Right. And right. You, you look at Branch and he, he fits that hybrid piece versus what a tweener would be. 
Um, really exciting to yeah, see what but, Brian but Branch has. You, and go ahead. There is a point there, and it's a good one. It's it's well taken too. What is he going to do that's really good in one spot? Because yeah, it's great that he's versatile. But where will he? Where where's his tent pole going to the ground at? Early. I don't know yet mm. uh, because his ideal position is CJ Gardner Johnson. So he's not better than CJ Gardner Johnson, at least not yet. Yep. Are they going to play him as a Tracy Walker? Like let let's let Tracy ease back in off of it. Is he going to play more with Kirby? Because as much as we love Kirby Joseph, dude's not a good tackler. Like he needs to work on that. Mm-hmm. Ranch is a better tackler than him right now. Maybe they platoon. Maybe maybe branch. If let's say CJ or uh, not not or just but uh, mostly Emmanuel Mosley. Yeah, yeah, isn't ready to roll yet with off the ACL. Mm-hmm. He's maybe maybe he's competing with Jerry for the outside job while we wait for Mosley to get healthy. That yeah. that that could happen. Um, that that's one of the things that I think we're going to find out over the next few weeks is what do they have a plan for him. I will just say to to the the commenter's point. They better have a plan for him. Otherwise, they are looking at a potential Isaiah Simmons situation, and we don't want that. Yeah, combat. Side. I think they're smarter than that, but I, we'll we'll see. Why is Rod Wood making football decisions? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, it goes right back, and you, you, Riz, you saw me light up, and you know when Hendon said started talking about servant leadership in his in his thing. I was just like, it goes. It just you know, it took me right back to yeah. the day we hired. Brad Holmes, I freaking told you. Um, uh, that's a little bit of life experience there, baby. Uh, so I want to talk, you know, one of the things about the draft, I think, that when I when I sum this up is the Lions took some of the best players at their position and high character people wherever they could. Um, Branch hanging around. Branch sticking around from day one to day two to go up and shake the commissioner's hand speaks directly to the kind of person he is and to his character and exactly why he fits. You know, he's a football guy on top of that. You know, that's the kind of guy that goes and rolls in this scheme. Right. And it's funny. I know there was a lot of talk about the Iowa Detroit connection, but I mean, there's an Alabama Detroit connection too. Let's not, let's not forget about that. JMO and Gibbs and uh branch. I mean, this, there's something to that. Uh, Laporta, a Campbell, Jack or a captain, Jack Campbell, a captain, right? These are guys that were not only good at their positions, but they were leaders. And I want to give credit to Vitas Rockus because he said something here in the chat just a second ago, which was just, put it really elegantly. I literally don't believe the lions want only one guy to be the go-to guy when no one is the go-to guy. They're all the go-to guys. And when you look, Hey, I wouldn't take, I wouldn't take a off ball linebacker in the first round. I don't disagree with that unless you've got the number 23 overall guy on Riz's board at a position of need. You can get the best guy in the draft. And you know what? I don't mind taking the best guy at every position we need, especially because we're in a different position for the draft this year for Brad Holmes than we were the year before and the year before that. I love what he got, where he got it even. I'm not worried about rolling it because Jack Campbell, we didn't get the second best linebacker, right? We got the best linebacker in the draft and we needed one. Guess what? That put a check mark next to that for four or five years. You're done with that position. You don't have to think about it again, right? You're not rotating guys. Like we, how many linebackers have we been through in the last five, six years? They don't remember flowers. I mean, the, all the people, the, the money and the, and the capital and the, and the, the, this we're done. Mark it off. You are done. 
yeah. you've got a great guy at that position. Up for three. Yep. You got you got Campbell down there. There's your starting two linebackers. You need a third? Rodrigo. Derek Barnes. Yeah. We'll probably talk more about. Um, they they've got they they shored up a position that everybody, including me, who complains all the time about linebackers just in general. Yep. Uh, that, that's my bad, but. We've complained about the linebacking situation since the one great year where, where DeAndre Levy and Stephen Tulloch were healthy together. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what, 2015, 2016, 2013, maybe? Yeah, yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it was even that long time ago before DeAndre Levy, like walked out on a plane wing and got bit by a sloth or something, whatever, whatever the hell people want to believe. Uh, (laughs) And and Tulloch tore his ACL celebrating sack. Doing the discount double check. Since then, <laughs> linebacker had like the, the Lions linebackers have consistently been bottom ten, if not bottom five in the NFL mm-hmm. ever since then. Now dun dun dun. Now we wait for Riz to reconnect. Um now we're, we have these positions on lockdown, and we were we are absolutely in a hundred percent all set. Uh, we'll get Riz back here in a second on on the draft, but I then I'm sure he'll jump in on his phone if his uh, if his other connection is is hosed. But we'll get him back in a second. While we talk about this, though, we could take a look at this and 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 see that you know even guys like uh, Colby Sorsdal, right from William and Mary. You look at what he does, and you see what he brings. Broderick Martin is another one uh, to hear him in his interview and see what he brings and start seeing his film. Boom, 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 boom. Just big hits, big hits for Brad Holmes. And I, I, I just, I, I from again, it's it, the the players that the Lions were able to pick up, and the team that they're able to put together based on what they've done in this draft has been something to really learn from. If you specifically sit with the spot where people are um, so welded to their own draft boards and their own evaluations of talent, uh, Brad Holmes talked about it. Um, He he, he said straight up, look, we've got a whole lot of information. I think he might've said we've got all the, uh, oh yeah, definitely get a clip of Riz's face here. (laughs) Uh, We've got, all the information uh, compared to uh, what other people have. I'm just giving rid of some instructions compared to what everybody has necessary. There we go. Um, so we've got all the information and everybody else is working off of, you know, what they, they didn't go to the games. They, they, they've watched tape. And even if they did go to the games, what you have is a person who's building out their thing. When you look at how the Detroit lions did this, right? And when you look at how the Detroit Lions and all the NFL teams uh, value and evaluate these guys, you saw the little piece of inside the den. There's multiple area scouts. There's multiple people. It's not just one person who comes up with their own little plan and says, this is the best thing and I'm, I'm going to live or die by it. This is a group of absolute professionals. His, his face is hilarious right now. Absolute professionals collaborating together to come to a consensus. Can you overthink things as a group? Sure, but you don't overthink anything. And the idea is that you, you get it right a lot more than you get it wrong when you have a team of very talented individuals doing those evaluations. It, it, this draft is probably one that will go down in history as the difference between having a team of experts do the work versus individual people building up a draft board and evaluating talent. Because, sorry, 
nobody's good at evaluating every part of talent and creating a draft board on their own. That's going to be even NFL capable, nonetheless, NFL quality. Uh, so that's that's kind of the look at the draft and how the the team sort of put this back and put this together and why I'm so less concerned about what everybody else put together uh, as far as their draft picks and uh, and their draft boards and their mock drafts uh, as I am, how the NFL decided to value these players along the way. There's millions and millions of dollars in salary out there with the way the NFL did their their evaluations and what they put together versus a couple of people trying to get clicks and live off of ad money to 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 push their site forward. So I'm I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna I'm gonna trust the millions of dollars of investment first uh, more than I am some guy Michael <laughs> uh, more than I am some guy who's uh, who, who's drinking some uh, some white claws and, and watching highlights versus tape. All right, so there we go. Let's walk through the draft really quick. And we're going to start with round one. Hey, there's Jeff. How you doing, brother? Hope I'm back. You are I moved back. up. Moved up. Um, we have internet issues in our neighborhood um, at prime time. So, well, I stays on here. I, I I did the whole rundown. We were I was just about to start crawling through players, so we can go. We can start listening through the players on the, on the draft. Um, basically, my take was in, in the long and short of it was. I trust the guys and the salaries of millions of dollars of people doing evaluations a lot more than I do. One guy sitting there drinking white claws and watching highlight reels on, on YouTube in his board. The idea that you have multiple people doing the work with multiple levels of skill at multiple positions and coming to a consensus board like that will far surpass the ability of any group of people trying to get clicks on a website period. So that's why I think when this is this year will probably go down in history as the one where uh, we saw the difference between the armchairs and the real GMs and versus popped out again. So we'll get into it right now. Um, first, Jameer Gibbs, number 12. Um, I think what happened here, and we can talk about it, the board did not fall to the Lions at all in the way that they expected. I think the Lions expected to have uh, Jameer, uh, sorry, Devin Witherspoon as their guy. I believe they thought Witherspoon would fall and the the board would work out and they would pick the top safety in the draft and move on from there. And that didn't happen. And we talked about it, how difficult it was at six for value, how it was a, a dip. It felt like a dip in the quality of the players that were available for the Lions to be able to trade out and get what they got. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy with, uh, with where, where, where they wound up with and, and got Jameer Gibbs. What is Jameer Gibbs? Jameer Gibbs is a running back. He does that. He replaces DeAndre Swift for sure. For sure. I've seen comps to Javid best and I, and I won't disagree with him. He's, he's slick. He's good. He's fast. He's got great vision. Um, slippery. I, I mean, there's so many, so many adjectives for him, but that's just Jameer Gibbs, the running back. They've got, they've got um, Jameer Gibbs, the slot receiver. They've got Jameer Good Gibbs, the flat receiver. They've got Jameer Gibbs, the wide receiver. And I'll have to say, I'm pretty interested in that. I'm very interested in that. 
Um, if you can take Panay Sewell, if Ben Johnson can take Panay Sewell and turn him into a tight end, what he could do with a guy like Jameer Gibbs is going to be incredible to watch. Incredible to watch. I'm, I, I think that this guy, you know, Amon Ra really, really messes with defenses. Um, the way we move him around with the, the jet sweeps and the, and, and, and the routes that he runs, he's incredible. And to add a guy like Gibbs with that kind of multiplicity to him, to the offense as well, is, is great. And to have, again, another position, your running back position taken care of, boom. Boom. I love that. I love that. JMO gets back. We've talked about what we thought about JMO. We've talked about what he brings. And, and we've said the whole time, we hope it all comes around and JMO is the guy that we think he's going to be. And if he is, which we, we've said, we hope so. We're very, very much so. Uh, you think of the trio of JMO and Amon Ra and Gibbs on the field at the same time. And then put Montgomery out there. And then start start thinking about the you know what you're doing with this team and what you have available. Let's get Laporta out there. Uh, let's put Penne out out for a pat. Right? There's so many options with this team then, and 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 people that can play so many different positions. I mean, you could use Amon Ra and Gibbs and Monty and, and run the wishbone. Like I mean, you could do literally anything with this damn offense. That would be fun. <laughs> Welcome that would back, be a Chris. lot of fun. Welcome back, brother. Uh, I'm just talking about Gibbs as, yes, he's a running back, but he is so, so much more. And I, I, I want people to say, the, the kind of, I'm thinking of it, we've fixed and we've sealed the running back position with with uh, Montgomery and with, with Gibbs. And, and with Gibbs, you're, you're, you've got this great lock there, but that's not all, right? You've got this breadth of talent that brings unlocks a lot for Ben and the, and the offense. I will tell you, you know, everybody wants to call Gibbs Alvin Kamara. And that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I'll go to what I heard on Sirius XM NFL radio on Sunday. And I, I, I wish I could remember who said it, but I don't said he's Marshall Falk, that kind of player, a guy who's mm-hmm. going to rush for 1500 yards and catch 90 passes. That's what, that's what Jameer Gibbs offers. Like he's, he's legitimately that good. Uh, he's got that kind of potential. So Yep. And I, I, don't, I don't disagree. We had Emery on before the draft. He talked about how Gibbs was his number one yeah. running back. And uh, I tried to lead down the road of, yeah, let, let's talk about Gibbs and, and why you like him so much instead of why are you hating on Bijan, which is the general reaction that he got for, for making that take. And I think the, the prism through which people view that is very telling. Um, what do you mean Majan isn't your number one? Why do you hate him? And it's not like, why would somebody else surpass him in your eyes? Mm-hmm. And I, th- I, I hope that people start to see things more broadly like that. Like Emery's not out there doing this to get clicks or, you know, to make a name for himself. That's, that's not that. Trust me. I've, I've known Emery for a very long time. We've been good friends for a very long time. That's not what he's about. He's about telling you what he sees and explaining to you why he thinks the way he thinks. He's not doing that to be a contrarian. He's doing that because that's what he thinks. Yep. That's, and uh, and I, I love that about him. He might be wrong. He's okay being wrong on that because he trusts his process. That's something that I try to do as well. It's difficult when you're out. Of, like, like this year, the Packers drafted a guy in the second round 
who's not in my top 190 players. But am I comfortable with that? Yeah, I am, because I know the guy can't play. I'm confident the, the the research that I did, the film study that I did, seeing him in person at the Senior Bowl will badly, like, I, I'm good with where I rank that guy. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm perfectly willing to be off the reservation on that because that's that's what yes. I saw. That's what I might believe. I don't want to compromise. This is something I said on a, on a podcast a few years ago. Die on your own freaking island. Like, don't die for somebody else's takes. Make your own. Come up with your own. So here's and, uh, and here, here's you know, the thing though about I love get, that the the detractors of Emory and there's a couple right. They'll point to the one he got wrong, and then they'll say, you know, I I was right at seventeen. That's why they're eighteen. That's why I thought they would. And like they'll only point to what they got right. But if you put them side by side, you'll find that Emory got a hell of a lot more right than they did. And we've talked about it all the time. GMs don't get it right. No GM. They have a hit rate of 50%, 60%. It's great. We just saw it with the fifth year options. Yeah. 12 out of 32. Got it right. 12 out of 32. Steve Wilds here says Bijan is a bell cow. Gibbs is a weapon. And I think there's there's a key point point of that, right? And I, I like the comparison. I like that. Bell cows get slaughtered. Weapons survive. Weapons will live to see another day a lot longer than a bell cow running back will. Why is the the running back position so devalued? Because of guys that are bell cows that get destroyed. They, the body doesn't hold up. You get a weapon out there. Look, you got Montgomery. Who expects him to be here in five years? I don't know. I don't know anybody does. Gibbs, I can see it. I can see the way he plays and how he plays and how they would use him. I think he lasts a lot longer. I think people have to kind of think about more than the RB next to uh, Jameer Gibbs's name. I agree. Make him, make him OW offensive weapon. Yes. I like it. Uh, Mark McCormick. I'm very comfortable with the Packers taking terrible players. (laughs) Yes. And we will talk about this. We will talk about this. Uh, Josh Pascal. Yeah. Don, what we'll be talking about. He's, he's, he's big time. Uh, King Henry beginning to wear down because it was talking him being traded. All right. So let's go on to the second pick of the first round. Uh, we talked about it a little bit uh, before Riz took a quick break there. Uh, Jack Campbell out of Iowa, um, linebacker. Riz, first off, off ball linebackers in the first round. What? Oh, you know, whatever. Okay, fine. That's fine. Cool, cool. I don't hate this pick. I, I people say, oh, I wish it was a different order. I oh, wish either. it was later. I, I it when I when it happened. This, this seems to happen every year, once a year with the Lions picks. I'm like, I have to process this. I, I have to process this because this is not mm-hmm. at all what I expected the Detroit Lions to do. And uh, you said you're still processing it. I've gotten to my, I've, 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 I don't know if I've convinced myself to a good spot, whatever, but I'm in a, a, a really good spot with this because of the long-term value. Now, look, if Campbell doesn't show to be what we think he is, then, okay, I, I can get, I can, I can get behind. This was a bad right. pick. And everybody had him yeah. ranked pretty high and he has all the pointers of being he's not he wasn't he wasn't a dice roll at that position yeah i think one of the one of the things that comes with the decision to take him um higher than where it is is you better be right about it because if you're not right that's when you get into trouble as a general manager when you make reaches and you get them wrong like las vegas taking cleveland farrell number four overall Right. Like Miami trading up for Dion Jordan, number three overall, when he wasn't in the top 100 on some other boards. Uh, that's where you get into trouble. 
Jack Campbell, like you'll you you will be very hard pressed to find anybody in my industry of draft analysis that doesn't think he's going to be a good player. It's just relative to okay, was is he one of the top twenty players in this draft? Possibly, could be. Wouldn't surprise me at all if he is. You're not going to find anybody that's like, oh, this guy was a fourth round pick and they reached it. I'm like, no. And like, I think most people thought that he was going to go into the high thirties, like like the the first ten picks of the second round. So if you're taking him in the middle of the first round, yeah, it's a stretch, um, and it's definitely a stretch given the the well chronicled uh, devaluation of the off ball linebacker by this regime specifically. And I think that was that, that was my more taken aback thing. It wasn't necessarily that they took Jack Campbell at eighteen. Is they're taking a linebacker like period that early? That's so out of character for them. It's crazy. It's it goes against everything that they have that they have done and said over the course of a decade. Yep. Like that's that's a pretty darn big leap for them. And the there's part of me that thinks, God, if they're doing that, they must really like this guy. Like they've got him so high that they're willing to throw away all their cultural mores to make an exception for that guy specifically. That means that they really, really freaking like him. Yeah, and that reassures me because I do trust their scouting prowess by and large. And yeah. I, th- I think they have, I have very, they have a very good scouting department. I think they had they are a team. One of the reasons why they've been as successful as they have been from where they were is because they do not draft guys without a plan for them. Like remember, remember back in in the Martin Mayhew days, and they drafted uh, they drafted Bill Bentley and Chris Greenwood in the same draft. Chris Albion, great Chris Greenwood, right? Yes, Albion, <laughs> great Chris Greenwood. He was six foot two, two hundred and twenty three pounds, stiff as a board, outside corner. Bill Bentley, five foot nine ish from Louisiana Lafayette, was an outside corner there for the Raging Cajuns, um, and they, they tried to pigeonhole him into the uh, the slot role where he just wasn't wasn't cut out to do that. But like they're they're they didn't have any vision at all for those guys. Like we're just drafting players because that's like we oh we need a cornerback. Okay, who's a cornerback? We can get that guy. Like there was no thought about it, and we've progressed so freaking far from there. Um, by the way, Martin Mayhew learned that lesson too. He's doing a much better job now that he's left that capacity. He learned from his mistakes. But we, the Lions and and Lions fans, don't have to worry about them taking like Broderick Martin. Technically, he's probably the biggest reach on the draft. Like this is a guy. Again, I I covered the NFL draft for a living. Uh, I was aware of him. I hadn't watched him. Um, I'm sure I'm not the only one. I know my, my friends at Draft Countdown, our guy, our guy Brian Bosarge, Mister Deep Fried Draft, like sent me. Sent, I asked him for his notes. He he sent me two paragraphs. I'm like that's that's not a lot on a third round pick, <laughs> but they have a plan for him, and that's that's where that's where the the relative um, trust that they have built up by doing what they've doing with the players that they have selected and brought in as free agents that have overachieved relative to what their expectations were. That's where that comes into play. They have, they have earned some latitude and leverage on that front and they're using it. And let's hope that they don't burn it on that. I don't think they did. I certainly don't think they did with Martin. 
Uh, just the more that I think about his fit, and we'll probably we'll talk there. about we'll the get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. I just want to go back to to Chris Greenwood. I, I that you like just were like, oh yeah, he knew the Albion guy. Like, come on, like that yeah. that that's like that's deep. That's deep cuts there, brother. Pulling that one out. You I know mean, how I know? I live in MIAA country, so I mean, like, yeah. Hope College is like right over there. So, do you know how I know though? <laughs> My brother played on I the national championship team. Uh, played defense for the. Albion national champions. There you go. Back in uh, Scots, 1991 right? year, I think. Yeah. 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 Well, that's Alma is the Scots. Albion is something else. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's kill Adrian me. too. Yeah. He's going to kill me for not knowing the what's the Albions. <laughs> <laughs> it could be the Knights for all I know, but I got UCF on my mind because Ryan and Swoboda. No, Swoboda and Knights. Yeah. Well, so is UCF. <laughs> I right? <laughs> got Ryan Swoboda on my, uh, I had a little chat with him. All right, let's go on. We got uh, Jack Campbell. Let's let's slide right back into Iowa. Get your corn cobs ready. Pop some corn. Uh, Sam Laporta rolls in. Another captain. Um, this guy, again, super high value. Not a lot of talk about him, right? From tight end university. How did, how did he get to here? And it was like, Sam Laporta, huh? Oh, Sam Laporta. I feel like that was the entire reaction to to that draft pick by Lions fans. <laughs> Another one where you're 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 taking a, a tight end, thirty four overall after you just traded away a Pro Bowl tight end. Like, I, I think Lions fans like to bag on Hawkinson. Like he's he's pretty good, folks. Like he's he's a good player. And and this and this is where my confusion is with it was because we we assumed probably incorrectly that they didn't want a playmaking focal point tight end because they traded away Hawkinson and by the way Brock Wright Shane Zilstra James Mitchell they worked down the stretch like the offense was better without him I think that's where Laporta being the kind of guy that he is. He might not also need to be called a tight end. He might also need to be called an offensive weapon. And if you watch when they played Kentucky, he played quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) They lined him up as the wildcat because he's their best player and they wanted to get the ball in his hands. And uh, this is something that, you know, when when I hopped in with you and Ash on, was that Friday night? Yeah. It all blurs. Like, (laughs) Iowa's offense was god awful like brutally bad yep and he thrived in it imagine what he can do with a good quarterback like golf with good players around him yeah. uh, like there's that that's that's sexy I like i'll it. just give you the that's one big stuff. difference between hawkinson and laporta when hawkinson makes a catch he number one yaks <laughs> he gets yards he doesn't just fall right and when he is getting tackled and falls falls forward <laughs> he still gets a couple of yards uh that's the big difference hawkinson's fine hawkinson and, and i will tell you guys again just inside talk i'll take it outside um people were talking about him he was just not bought in he wasn't i mean he did great he played hard on sundays and all that stuff but all the stuff other than sunday he just wasn't he wasn't a lion and, and again and that's, it was that's cool. not that's not saying that he's bad or anything. He just—he's not that kind of guy. He's not cut from that cloth. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 No. You're, that's exactly exactly what was happening. We talked about it. Did the video after the trade 
and uh, and kind of talked about some of that information. It was absolutely the world of of him. I think we're going to be really happy with Laporta. Uh, I want to get into two more players before we pause and look back at the draft. I want to get to and keep. Oh, no, the pants are already gone. Brian Branch from Alabama, defensive back, because we don't call him a safety, right, Riz? Uh, Brian That's Branch right. Coles yeah. comes in, and I'll just I'll talk about it. Just again, we we touched on it a little bit. The fact that he stayed there because he wanted to shake the commissioner's hand. The fact the conversation he had when he was interviewed. The kind of person he is. The the he's the kind of guy that walk, walk you know speak softly and carry a big stick kind of a guy. That that's who he is. He doesn't need to 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 talk. He's not all talk. He's not. He's, it's kind of like the Barry Sanders. I'm not saying he's Barry Sanders, right? But he's been there before. Yeah, he knows he can do yeah, it. He has the quiet yeah. confidence, right? He. I was yep. when I saw his interview. I was done. I was sold. It was over. Book it. I love this pick. He really brought that interview as a person. You can just tell what he brings to the game, what he's made of, why he was a Holmes and a Campbell and a Lions guy, why he went there. Not just because he's a great player, which we'll have you talk about, but I could just tell his character was such that uh, this is a guy that fits right in. Another locker room leader, another not not the guy, but a whole room full of the guys. Yeah. Team captain at Alabama with Nick Saban. And we all know Nick Saban loves to he he's very hands on with the defensive backs. That that's his that's his niche. If he wasn't a head coach, he'd be a defensive backs coach. He's developed some really damn good ones. Guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, um, who is in the mold that Branch is following. I think if we got ninety five percent of Minka Fitzpatrick out of Brian Branch for what was it forty? He was forty seven overall, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think we'll um, take that. Branch is very happy yeah, yeah. with that. I, somebody yeah, just they, tra- somebody, they traded they moved 45 yeah to, um to to tickle my fancy someone j- just tickled my brain and, and made me think about it it's it was you know you've got laporta who's yards after the catch he's a yak guy you got hawkinson who's a fact who's falls after the catch <laughs> there's the difference between the two players line in a nutshell fact versus yak what the fact yeah um brian branch what about playtime this year does he see the field this year for the detroit lions Ruth? Oh, he'll play. Uh, I don't know how much he'll play. I want, so th- this is something that we have to come to grips with is that when you draft somebody into a spot, somebody who's in that spot now gets pushed out. That happened with Jack Campbell. I think the, the primary non-beneficiaries of that are Rodrigo and Derek Barnes. I think with Brian Branch, I think it could be Kirby, but I, th- I think Kirby is going to be good enough to, to say that. I think it's, well, obviously Will Harris, because they they basically drafted him to be the Will Harris role that they also happened to sign C.J. Gardner-Johnson for. and But his, his ability to play outside corner, I wonder if it impacts Jerry. I wonder if it impacts uh, Emmanuel Mosley or Cam Sutton, because he... Because there is a chance that Branch is better than either of those guys as an outside corner right now. Like he could be. He played very well there at Alabama. I know he doesn't have a big track record at it. Mm. That's what he that's he's got those skills. So they're gonna find a spot to get him on the field. You might see more um you might even see him play as like the 
Um, at Alabama, they call it the money roll, which is sort of like a linebacker safety hybrid. If you if you were a Michigan fan, Jabril Peppers played, played that role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can see him play that role. He is a phenomenal tackler, and I think that's going to get him onto the field. And if some of the outside corners aren't cutting it as tacklers, and that is something that you do wonder about with a couple of those guys, you can see Branch maybe playing outside corner this year before he moves inside. Um, my long term view with him is I think he means that C.J. Gardner-Johnson is a one-year guy and they're going to let him go get paid somewhere else and be okay with that and plug Branch in there in 2024 and be good. That, that's my thought now. Yep. Um, I'm going to get through that, but that's, that's my couple, thought. Getting from a couple people, the reason he fell to where he fell and the knock on him is his 40 speed. Is that speed going to be a problem? I don't think his 40 speed is as, as dangerous as is why. He, I mean, I think that's why he fell. I don't think that's as dangerous because his football speed like I like we'll see what the GPS is say when 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 we when you know when, when he's out there. But his yeah. he plays a hell of a lot faster than he, he plays track. <laughs> he does. And, and on the flip side of that. Jack Campbell tested off the freaking charts. If you watched him play at Iowa, he didn't look like that. Like he does not play specifically to his agility. He does not play to his agility numbers. He doesn't. Um, and that's that's one of the reasons why it was a little puzzling that they took him that early. Because why do fans hate Alex Anzalone so irrationally? Because he can get his feet stuck sometimes when he's supposed to be moving laterally. If you watch Jack Campbell at Iowa, that happens to him too. And I worry that people are going to look at his RAS score. Um, God bless Kent, by the way. Um, thank you, Kent, math bomb, um, for all you do. But I think he was a 987. Like, he doesn't play that athletic. He certainly doesn't play that lateral agility. He just doesn't. Yep. So don't get too caught up in the fact. Branch ran, what, a 4 5 2? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say I was there. I should remember that. I, I, w- I was actually like in the building when he ran it, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> like when you watch Alabama his you never thought, Oh, Oh, he'd be great, but he's slow. Like you never thought that in watching his film. Yep. Never. Yep. Uh, anyone expect Brad to tell golf to take a pay cut with a contract extension. Now that we have hooker, uh, we'll <laughs> talk about that, but no, that's not no. how they're going to handle it at all. <laughs> that's not <laughs> no. how it's going to be handled at all, but they, they'll, they'll, there will be a conversation. We'll talk about that conversation is very shortly. Um, really quick, for all the folks watching, please hit the like button. Appreciate you joining us. Enjoy the, the show. You can click the button while you're watching. It doesn't even take away from all the fun and excitement. Uh, we appreciate that. It helps other people find us. And what I'm hearing in the chat is, you know, normally we only ask once a show, but I'm hearing that people didn't get notification um, for that the show went live. Just double check and make sure you got the bell clicked as well as the subscribe, because I think that might be it. Then I, I want to know if the notifications didn't go out, if YouTube checked up something, because... So let me know about that in the chat if you guys do have that bell clicked as well. Thank you. Uh, all right, so let's go on. We went on to the last guy I want to talk about before we pause and look back across this draft. Um, a guy we've talked to. Yeah, we may talk to again. A young gentleman who fills that quite part of the the, uh, the the stuff around that question. His name is Hendon Hooker, quarterback out of Tennessee. Took him at number 68 with our third-round pick. Riz, um, I haven't had pants on since that pick. I didn't. They were really off before then, but I don't know how to even get them back on at this point. Like It's like I if you can't wear them. pants for more than four days, you should call a doctor. And I've, I've got an emergency room visit scheduled right after this show because this was a fantastic pick. I'm so happy. You need medical intervention for that. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's a great pick. And getting him, 
uh, as I said the other day, I would have been okay with him. Like it wouldn't have killed me if they took him at 18. I would have been perfectly happy with him at, at 34 or 47, 48 before they traded, whatever. Getting him where they got him. Oh yeah. That's yeah. like that. That is the, uh, you know, so we were talking about Van Halen albums earlier, 5150 best of both worlds. That's what this is. You know, it's, it's, it's the music, the musical stylings of, you know, Eddie and Alex and Michael with an actual singer and Sammy singing great songs over the top of it, rather than <laughs> some guy with buttless pants on walking around the stage, grunting and yelling at people. Hey, don't knock like, my assless chaps. That's our party. It's the training camp party. Show up. It's August 5th. We will potentially maybe be an assless chaps, depending how things went at training camp. I don't think you need to knock that Riz. You never know. You do never know. That's true. But yeah, getting getting Hooker where they got him is is absolutely perfect. Like even people who don't like Hendon Hooker, and I know there's a lot of you out there, like you can't be upset that they took him there. Like you can't. You just can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. And the thing is, is look, he you're talking August Hooker's you know, ready to, ready to really play. He says ahead of schedule when we talked to him at senior bowl. Um, I, I believe him. I really, so look, we talked about him. He is absolutely polished for the media. He is, he knows all the right yes, stuff, but we kind of peeled a little bit of that away when we talked to him. And I just yeah. really like the guy behind the mask that we kind of saw in, in Hendon hooker as, as a person, he just seems like a, a really kind of special dude that has a lot of talent who suffered a little bit of a problem with the injury that really kind of hosed his draft stock and so on. But he's a guy that, I, and, and what I love about him is, you know, and look, I'm not going to, this is going to sound weird. You know, look, Anthony Richardson, high ceiling, all that kind of stuff. Right. But if Jared Goff gets hurt and you put in Anthony Richardson, you have to run a completely different offense. Everybody, your line has to play different. Everybody's playing a different game of football. If something happens, you know, heaven forbid to Jared Goff, in October and you need someone to go in and win a game, finish a game and win it and win a game or two after that. And then hookers, your guy and Ben Johnson doesn't miss a beat with his play calling and how he runs the offense. I love that. I do too. You don't have to make modifications to bring your backup in. Now he does offer the dimension of running Mm -hmm. and it is going to take him some time to process the full field of defense. Like there's, there's no doubt about that. Like that, that's a valid criticism. I will just say that I think that the the oversimplification of Tennessee's offense. I think you need to explore that. And I would um, so friend of the pod, Mark Schofield, mm-hmm. wrote for SB Nation a great feature about how it's not just a straight air raid offense that he came from. Tennessee actually used tight ends. They played fullbacks at times. They ran. Um, different things that are foreign to the Mike Leach. Um, uh, who's the guy before? Who's the guy at Baylor? Art Bryles. Art Bryles system that I think most people pigeonhole Hendon Hooker as being from. And sure, that's absolutely the, the root base of it. But they did do things out of that that required Hooker to do more things that are NFL related than what guys like Graham Harrell or, um, oh God, who are... And Chase Daniel came from that system um, out of Missouri. Like he was, he did do more of those things that are, you know, like multiple, like progressing through reads, 
and it's not just like I'm looking here and then I got to look here. Like he has to look over here sometimes. He can do those things. Mm-hmm. He can thread the needle sometimes. Uh, and by the way, 58 touchdowns, five interceptions. What's Jared Goff's greatest strength right now? What's everybody talking about? He hasn't thrown an interception in forever. That's what Hedden Hooker does. Like that's yeah. exactly what Ben Johnson wants is a guy who's going to get the ball to the playmakers and not get the ball to the other team's playmakers. And Hooker can do that right now. Let me talk about the, the the thing about his age. Okay. Hooker will be 26 by the time of next season. That might be a concern. Let's just say, okay, he plays to 36. Well, Goff's 29 going to next season, I think. Okay. But let's just, so let's just why say, don't we let's worry about say, his age? Let's, well, but this is the guy that's going to replace him. Let's just say Hooker plays for 10 years, though. Okay. We had Stafford for 12. And he didn't play two of those, right? But we had him for 12 years. Hooker plays 10 years. He's 36. That is not too old for a quarterback in the NFL by anybody's stretch of any imagination. To have it, you've got a 10-year quarterback locked up. You don't have to think about it for eight. Effectively. I'm not saying he's going to last that long. I don't know how good he's going to be. But the age is not the concern with Hendon Hooker. I just don't see the age as being the concern of of taking him in the draft. That's That's a red herring to me. And the other thing is, is that everybody was older in this draft with very few exceptions because of the COVID year. Uh, I will tell you being on the other end of it now, like the COVID pipe, that COVID backlog. Yeah. It's still impacting college football. Now it's impacting college basketball. Now it's impacting my son's ability to get recruited now because people haven't left and there's not space for new guys to come up and into it. Uh, It's, it's, the average age in this draft, and I'll have to check with Jimmy Kemsky of the Philly Voice on it because he does this every year. He also tracks the average age of every team. I think it was 11 months older than, than a normal draft class. So everybody's older. Yes, Hooker is older than normal for that. that that's true. Nobody's really explained to me why that's bad. Like, other than, oh, it's just bad that he's old. Like, why? Explain to me why. Explain to me, okay, so he's he's under contract for four years. He'll be 29. When you're looking at giving him his second contract and perhaps his first as a starter. Yeah, or, yeah, or not, oh, which is where you are with now? Goff. 29? Yeah, exactly. Jared Goff is looking at a new contract. Are we, are we thinking that he's too old? Like, we can't give him five years because he's 29? Like, just don't talk out of both sides of your mouth on this, folks. Be, when people say, oh, he's old, that's bad. Ask them why. Ask them to explain why it's bad. There, there are valid reasons why it is. But don't just regurgitate that you've heard, oh, he's old, therefore he can't play. Like, that's, that's a really weak take. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so I want to pause on the draft right here, and I want to re- recap where we're at, okay? We got Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch, and Hendon Hooker. That's five picks. Bob Quinn had a draft where he only had five picks. <laughs> you got five picks. All these guys with hooker being the exception, all these guys are playing. Yeah. All oh, these yeah. guys are playing. All, these guys, every one of these guys is going to start at least one game. I expect Laporta to be the primary starter by Halloween. Yeah. I think yeah. Gibbs, Gibbs is interesting because I think, David Montgomery has probably earned just because of his free agent status and his veteran status, the starting role. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going to see a similar split to what we saw between um, Jamal and DeAndre, where it's like one gets 
you know, 55% of the snaps, the other gets 35. And then the number three guy who was, you know, Justin Jackson last year, Craig Reynolds gets like the, the remaining 10%. Yep. I think that's going to be the split again, but Gibbs, because he can catch the ball so reliably out of the backfield, I think he might get on the field a little bit more with both of them on the field together, which yeah. is something that we haven't seen the Lions do at all. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's fun because uh, I will tell you, when I covered the Browns, they had Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Both in their primes. And in the 20, the year before COVID was the first year that they had both of them, they were on the field together for exactly seven snaps. And Browns fans went bananas. Like, why are we not having our best players on the field? With the versatility that Swift and, by the way, Montgomery offer you, you can put them on the field together and motion a guy out or run a guy across, or have one of them play fullback for a play, just as a different look. Mm -hmm. And that's something that Swift and Jamal, as talented as they were, as much as we generally like them, they couldn't do that. Yeah. This hope, this, they've opened up more, <laughs> more veins to inject offense into this year. <laughs> it's not just a main vein. They've got a whole, right. <laughs> got a whole arm load. All right. A lot of spoons laying around. <laughs> Let's move into pick number 96. This is one that um, had a lot of people, again, curious. And that, and we traded up for it and because we had our guy. And then you come up and you, and, and you see what you got. And you start doing some looking. And you see the big man, Roderick Martin, rolling up. My guy, I, I, I don't know. I want to see him and Aleem next to each other because I think he's going to make Aleem look a little bit like a little guy. <laughs> Can you imagine? I mean, just well, Aleem, Aleem Suggs. Aleem is down and, to, I heard Aleem is down to like 318 now. Yeah. Can, um, can it you might imagine? Aleem, Martin, Aleem is your three tech now, by the way. Imagine he's Martin, not a nose tackle anymore at all. Imagine Martin, Suggs, and Aleem standing side by side by side, bro. Just <laughs> That's a like lot a of meat. A thousand pounds of man. <laughs> It's like the old Patriots thing when they had Vince Wilfork and Richard Seymour, and then they brought in, um, oh, what was his name? They brought in a guy who was like 335. He couldn't play at all, but he just stood there in the middle of the line and took up two blockers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that might be what Frederick Martin does for us as a rookie. Uh, yeah. Again, I still haven't watched him enough to have an opinion, um, as, as, I, as I tweeted, though. About my early WKU notes were like, Big mother bleeper. <laughs> that's all I saw about him. And uh, I still haven't gotten around to watching more of him yet. That's that's on the docket for the rest of this week, and I'll I'll write it up. But uh, uh, my guy, Russ Brown, did watch some film and came away impressed. Not just at, like, his physical prowess. He actually can, like, do some things. Like, he's got decent hands. He doesn't go backwards. Like, did I say something stupid? Go ahead, because I got something even dumber to say. I'm 12, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Dumb and dumber. -er. Okay. You, you, you got Martin, Suggs, and McNeil standing next to Hooker, right? Bugs. 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 Yeah, sorry. Bugs. Sorry. Uh, half ton of man meat and a Hooker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have so much fun with this. I'm sorry, folks. I apologize in advance. I really... This this truly is it's not a thing for the show. I I make myself laugh. Riz knows I I am pretty yes, jolly person yes, generally, um, and I'm twelve. I, I'm twelve. This yeah. is going to be painful for some people. I know it. 
Yeah. So so I did actually do a little bit of digging on Martin, though. I checked with a couple other guys that I know that know teams well. And I'm like, hey, was your team going to take Broderick Martin? And I got feedback from one that, like, we would have considered him at the top of the fourth. I'm like, okay, I'll buy that. Um, Brad and somebody else came out and was like, yeah, we didn't think he'd be there for our next pick. Um, and we, we wanted to, we wanted to make sure that we got him specifically. Yep. And much like with Gibbs, I, I do believe them when they said, like when they said that Jameer Gibbs was not going to be there at 18, I 1000% believe them. Uh, n- zero doubt in my mind that he was not going to be there at 18. None. Mm-hmm. I don't know about Campbell. I, I haven't problem on that, but I did probe around a little bit on Martin just because I, I was unfamiliar with, with him and the draft stock with him. Right. And he was going to go in like the 100 to 125 overall range would be my best guess. Now yep. looking back on it from what I've heard, that's not, they, they got him at what? 87, maybe 96 for Martin. 96. 96. Okay. Oh, that's even, so that's, you're fine there. Like yeah. that's, I think the only thing people what, are worried are about was the, pick, about the, the picks we walked away from to move up, to get there. But those are picks that on, you know, on the, the, you're less than what, what's the percentage is. I'm, I'm working from memory here and I'm going to be done. It's like a 10%, 15% pick that they actually make the team some, somewhere around there. Uh, don't quote me, please don't shoot me for this. They, they, they package three day, three picks, which made me really happy as a draft guy. <laughs> Yeah, well, but they, they what, but here's the deal. If you believe that your front office is competent, check for me, check mark. Okay. Yeah. And yes. that they've done their homework, check mark for me. We've seen it with Amon Ra. We've seen it with so many guys they've gone to late in the late round. And you believe they can make good decisions in the late rounds. Again, check mark for me. They gave up a bunch of what are basically flyer picks to get the guy that they believe is going to make the team. And with all those check boxes, I'd say all those, 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 those uh, picks they gave up to get a guy that they're certain will start. If he starts, absolutely was worth it. And at this point, when you're evaluating, you have to, you have to trust them based on, on their history and what they've done deep in the draft and the homework that they do, that they made a pretty strong move to get a guy that's going to start for this team. Just to, to go about the, like the, the sheer quantity of players that they gave up. Like they signed, what, nine undrafted free agents, I think it is. They've got tryout times. Their roster's at 89. Like, if they would have drafted somebody all those spots, like you're maybe not getting Mo Ibrahim as your running back. And I'm, by the yeah. way, I think he's going to be running back three by the end of training camp, yeah. as long as he's healthy. You're not getting um, Starling Martin as a, as a cornerback who probably could have gone in the fifth round. They could have drafted him with the fifth, with one of the fifth round picks they traded away. Nobody would have blinked an eye. Yep. They got him as an undrafted free agent. If they're drafting those guys and they didn't draft him there, they're not getting him because they, they physically don't have the room to sign him. And that's when you're signing UDFAs rather than fifth round picks, which is basically what the fifth and sixth round picks, you're getting the same basic caliber of player for cheaper which means that then you can give more money to Jared Goff. You can give more mm-hmm. money to mm-hmm. Amon Ross St. Brown. You're not Taylor paying Decker. as much for your bottom of the roster depth as you would be if they were draft picks. That Now, that presumes that you found guys as undrafted free agents that you can bring in, but they've shown the pretty good job. I mean, they, they plucked Craig Reynolds out of the ether 
off of his couch. Yep. Um, yep. They found guys like this. And so would you rather have, so um, Mo Ibrahim will make less this year than what Jermar Jefferson does. Jermar Jefferson is not long for Detroit. I don't think I just, <laughs> no. just don't, don't see it. Nothing against the guy. No. He, he hasn't made an impact in two seasons. I think his time has probably come. And quite frankly, I'd like to see him try to get it somewhere else. Yep. Like, I think, I think that's the best for all parties. But when you're not making those picks, like then you're just you're opening it up where you've, you're able to pay your higher level guys that much more of the pie. And I think that's something that got lost on a lot of people. Like, oh, we need all this talent. Like, no, we kind of don't. <laughs> I didn't need to, to we kind of need to flesh out the bottom of the roster with really cheap guys. Yep. Uh, that's what good teams do. Uh, that's that's like, you know, we we are sort of following a Seahawks model. We're sort of following a Chiefs model. Look at the bottom of the Chiefs roster. There's there's dudes on there that ninety percent of draft picks have not heard of by the end of their rookie year. Yep. And they're they're making contributions. <laughs> like that's just what they do. And that's 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 one of the ways that you can afford to have a high level of or high quantity of good players. Because then you have to have the inexpensive depth. And that's what doing things like that allows you to do. I want to say really quick, Bo uh, Gagrius says, yeah, but St. Brown was ranked pretty high as a prospect. A lot of people had him mocked in the second round. Why didn't they take him then? That's the thing. Like, Oh, a lot of people had different people mocked this year where they went as well. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not beating you on here, Bo, but nobody took them. Their value is what the economy said they were. And they, and Almond Ron went in the fourth. He was a fourth round guy. Should he have been picked higher? Sure. looks like it. True. Sure looks like he should have been. That's but, what redrafts are for. Yep, exactly. And and I, I guarantee GMs do that too. GMs do redrafts. They go back and reevaluate what they did. I mean, just like the team at the end of the you know in January, teams like the Lions and 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 and, and that didn't make the playoffs are already starting to go through the year and review what they did. How did they? What did they do wrong? What would they do different? How do they get better? And completely hash through every second of tape from all the different camera angles from every position to reevaluate the team. That's what they start with is by going back. And I guarantee the. Starting for the draft for next year, right now they're already starting to go back. They're already starting to go back. So that's it. That's that's the thing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm happy. Right. And uh, there you go. Why didn't Branch go in the first? Some players fall. It's. It's the economy. Is uh, when when you, it's eBay. You know, whatever somebody sells that that monster refrigerator that I've been looking at, I want a good or a Red Bull fridge. <laughs> whatever the price that somebody pays for that, that's what it's worth at that point in time. End of story. I guess you should use the stock market. Yeah, it's better than my. It's true. I, <laughs> my energy yeah, like, drink fridge. <laughs> the Packers took Lucas Van Nessa thirteen because that's where the market was. He's not one of the top thirteen. Play- He's not one of the top fifty three players in this draft. But that that's just the way it works and. So, so can we can we diverge for a quick second about Will Levis? Because I, I just wrote about this for Draft Wires yeah. up tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So last year, everybody was like, "Oh, Malik Willis, Malik Willis," and this year, Will Levis was this year's Malik Willis. Oof. We need to applaud the NFL for not drafting these guys where people like me assumed that they were going to be drafted, just because that's what the NFL has always done: is overdrafted crappy quarterbacks for years and years and years and they're learning and that's a good thing. So while it sucks for Will Evans, while I hated, I hated them focusing on him so much 
sitting in the green room and then Sunday or Saturday's coverage. Oh my God. The NFL network could not let that go. I like, I'm not a will. I'm not a will Levis guy at all. I legitimately feel horrible for that dude. Uh, that's Everything that he said yeah. to go through because of that. And Malik Willis got some of that action too last year. And I, Chris, you know this. We like. We genuinely liked Malik Willis as a guy. He was cool. Guy we're rooting for. He's, He's a cool good hell. person. Yeah. He's just not a very good quarterback. Yeah. No. But to see that, like the NFL is finally starting to do what we have chided them and chastised them to do for years, and we're surprised by it. Maybe we shouldn't be so surprised that the NFL is figuring out what we've known for so long. And uh, I, I think that's a very good thing for the NFL, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. There's, um, I'm off my soapbox now. Well, let me let me kick it out from under you. If I don't know if you had a chance to check Please the do. Slack lately, you're the two f- screens you froze on are now a meme in the Slack. <laughs> Your face. I of course couldn't see that. <laughs> no, I, I, w- I would take a look, but it's Jalen Carter at six and Shamir Gibbs at twelve. You just it's good, so good. Um, okay, I love you all. Like I was I love you all. Oh man, man. All right. Really quick. I uh, just want to tell everybody about the Slack, go to patreon.com slash Detroit lions podcast. Um, five bucks a month or more gets you access to the Slack chat. We're going to do a discount for people in the Slack and then the Patreon to get into the, the training camp party this year. So it's a good way you get access to Slack smartest intel- most intelligent lions chat on the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also if you want to do a member on the, uh, on the YouTube thing, you can do that as well. And you'll get access to the Slack chat as well. Uh, appreciate everybody who does support us. It's, it's literally, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. All the people we're adding are people that get paid. We're not, we don't do the slave labor thing. Like most of most of the blogs and stuff out there. We make sure that people get paid for the work and we try to create a really, really great product. Um, Gray has been a great, great addition and he's, he's brought a ton, man. It's, it's energized. Like, the, the thinking it's, it's cool. There's a lot of really, really good stuff that's going to come out of it. And it literally drives. I feel like I'm on PBS right now on a telethon, but it comes directly from the support you folks give to us. So just a heartfelt thank you to everybody who has supported the show, either via super chat, the membership, the Patreon, using some of the, the different ads that we put up in the, the products where you can buy things. It means a lot. It really does help us do all this. Because otherwise, you know, if it was a losing proposition, we would not be headed towards. You ready for this, Riz? We're about a month away from beginning our ninth year of doing this. Nobody's done it longer, except the Detroit Lions wow. themselves. There you're gonna go. That's All right. <laughs> wow. Uh, Chris was made for PBS fundraisers. Maybe Jerry's. Oh, never mind. I'll leave that alone. Uh, let's go into it. Michigan Radio, Doug Trubu. Yes, please. <laughs> Fifth round is the next pick. After Broderick Martin, we had a round off, took some time, did some interviews, did some press. And uh, can, by the way, I just give a big shout out to the Detroit Lions social media team and the media team all together. A fantastic job by you guys. I mean, the more we do this and the more I learn, the more we put into doing all these things, the more impressed I am watching that team grow and what they put together. They are the best in the NFL. They are absolute superstars at this stuff and they deserve way more credit. The social media side, you know, Eamon, Ellie, Solomon, Greg, um, all those guys, they they do, they do a fantastic job. They got a new, they got a new intern who came in last year and I can't remember her name. I can see her. Um, And she's doing a good job too. Like they're, they do such a good job. So they, they are one of the finalists for the P P F W A. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, 
well, I forget the award. I forget what they call it. It's like the PR. It's like the media PR team award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I probably voted for them. And I have, I, I told Eamon that Eamon Reynolds, the director of, of media relations for the Detroit Lions. I told him like, y'all earned this man. Like I, yeah. cause I've having worked with other teams and covered teams remotely and locally, like they're, they're phenomenal at what they do, man. They really are. They, they do such a good job and have Im- and they've done some things that have been requested by them. Um, by by some people in the media, um, mm-hmm. I I personally haven't done it, but I know a couple people have, and they're like, "Yeah, we can do that. Like, why not?" Yep. And I love that their answer to things is, "Let's see if we can do that." Instead of "No," I like that. I like I like that a lot. I respect that a lot. And I, yep. I also appreciate Lions management allowing them to do that. Like yeah. Maybe maybe it won't work, but we'll at least see if we can try it. And I I greatly appreciate that. They do a, a wonderful job. I hope I hope they win. I have tried to convince everybody that I know um, to vote for them, especially teams um, that are in certain locales, um, beat writers for teams that don't have good, good media relations departments. Yep. Vote for the Lions because they deserve yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and watching the growth, I mean, they'd always been good, but watching the growth over the last couple of years has been spectacular. It has been absolutely yeah, really spectacular is. to see them just exponentially raise the level. And, and I mean, I, 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 I talked to you a little bit about it too. Amen about it as well. And then even at senior bowl, when I saw a couple of the guys, I, I stepped up and I was talking to them and just tell them how, how impressive it was. They, I mean, they do great work. And the more, you know, about what it takes to put together what they put together, uh, the more, you know, just how good they are at doing that. So, um, Good stuff. Good stuff for the the folks at the, at the Lions and their social media. All right, uh, we move on now to fifth round. We took a little break, get, just like they did, and put the social media team to work. Uh, Colby Sorsdal comes in at number one fifty two, starting offensive lineman, uh, day one for the Detroit Lions. Replacing who's he going to replace? Sewell Decker. Uh, where we got? He's taking over for Ragnow. Is he going to play two positions on the line? I mean, how <laughs> on the same play like? <laughs> What do we got here? Colby Col- Colby's actually a beast. Yeah, that that's the thing. Colby, he, he's a beast. Again, this is another guy that I have yet to see play. So, I'm not going to comment about what he can or can't do. Mm-hmm. I would say his role, I think he immediately bumps Logan Senberg off. Yeah. I think he oh, yeah. probably bumps uh Coyote Awasika off. I think he is going to compete to be Compete with Graham Glasgow to be the number one reserve interior offensive lineman exactly in 2023. Right. Exactly right. And he can play tackle. I've been led to believe anyways. I've been led to believe <laughs> by my my one William and Mary peep that he can actually play some tackle. Um, we'll see. He was a right tackle. He does have the, the size for it. It kind of looks like. Again, mm-hmm. I haven't seen him play. So no. He is an of- absolute kneecap biter. He is lions he fits he fits the mold and he is uh, they have a real strong belief that he's a guy that they can you know look who doesn't want to like if you're offensive line coach defensive line coach linebackers coach who doesn't want all first round picks working for you right who doesn't who doesn't want to bang the table every year to get first round first round first round first round right um that they don't need you at that point to do, you know, maybe almost as a, as a coach, here's a chance. And this is, this is where, and I, I want people to watch because Evan Brown is a story like this where he took a guy who's a little bit raw, but has the right mindset coming in and you turn him into a starter. Unfortunately, he went somewhere else to, to go be a starter, but 
Kobe has the opportunity to be a starting guard in the NFL with a guy like uh, Hank Fraley teaching him who will be on the show within the next month. Just so you know, we're going to have him on for a good interview. So enjoy that when we get him. Um, Colby is a guy that, and we'll talk about him. Um, Colby's a guy that I think has a real shot with this team. He's got the right coaching. He's got the right mentality and it's, it's, you know, it's competence it's motivation and it's opportunity. Those are the three things. When those three things come together, you are in your ideal position. And this very well may be exactly what that is for Colby Sorsdahl. So, look, he's a fifth round pick, 152 overall. Like Riz said, he didn't see him. There's a lot of people that didn't see a whole lot of him. But this is a guy who is a sneaky, sneaky smells like an opportunity for this I'm team. I'm looking forward to watching his tape. Future. Really when you am. talk about drafting for the future, that's exactly what Colby Sorsdahl is. Yep. All right. And if he can if he can be a functional number 7 offensive lineman this year, that's great. Your yep. fifth round pick made the team. Yep. That's good. And, and Glasgow Doesn't is your backup for sure. You have Glasgow in place which kind of puts a little less pressure on having to go early with one of your guys and you you get what we saw yeah. here last week with the top but 3 when we, rounds. We had to talk about this a couple of weeks ago um in one of the pre-draft episodes that we did and remind people that Graham Glasgow is not going to start in this team either. He's replacing Evan Brown. He's not mm-hmm. replacing mm-hmm. Vitae. Like Vitae is there to start. Everything, Chris. I know you've probably heard more than I have. He's starting, folks. Mm-hmm. Like he's your starting right guard again. When they talk about like our offensive line is back intact, no, they're not forgetting about Evan Brown. They're remembering that Big V was their starter before he got he hurt his back last year. There's a lot of belief in Big V. And yes. is he healthy? Indeed, he is. Yes. There's your Hank's Tanks shirt. And oh, by the way, I didn't have a picture at any time. Hank's Tanks Tanks are now available. You need a new tank? Tank top to wear this year? Hank's Tanks Tanks. I do. <laughs> you got Hank Fraley there. The detail in the helmet is spectacular. Uh, Russell, we'll talk more about the, the artist that did that. He's got a lot more shirts rolling out for us coming very, very shortly. Um, and helping with the seatbelt gang line as well. Some really cool stuff coming together there. This is awesome. That's your starting line right there. Hanks tanks put together, get yourself a t-shirt or I love it. Hanks tanks tank. Get yourself a tank top. Good stuff. All at Detroit lions podcast.com slash store. There you go. Um, no good it's stuff. There. Tank top and flip flop season. <laughs> We're getting there, brother. Getting there. Uh, it snowed let's... Monday. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. It was 81 here today and 27% humidity. I don't want to hear it. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. <laughs> Uh, Antoine Green, North Carolina, comes in seventh round, number 219 overall, wide receiver. Um, right off the top, I, I feel special teams oh, sort of out of the I had this one. I had this one. <laughs> Mocked him twice. There you go. There you go. Um, what do you got, my man? What do you got? Special teams. Uh, he is going to be a instant contributor to special teams, but he's also physically very similar to TJ Chark and stylistically. I think Chark is more polished of a receiver, but green like, so first off, you know, the North Carolina offense is coming. He's coming from catching passes from Drake may, who a lot of you are going to want to replace Jared Goff and Hendon hooker in a year from now. And he has a chance to be the number one overall pick next year. So he's caught passes from a legitimate NFL-style quarterback in a fairly pro-friendly offense that has required him to do some route running that 
translates pretty well. Uh, he, he's not great at it. That's one of the reasons why he's in the seventh round. But uh, he's he's a he's a worker bee. He is a vicious blocker down the field, and you can instantly tell that's why Antoine Randall liked him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he is going to be. He is yours. He's certainly no less than your Quintus Cephas replacement, and he's much more athletic and, by the way, bigger than Quintus Cephas. Quintus Cephas got people may not have to be Kenny Gallagher. He's six one and a half and two hundred and nine pounds. Like green, green, green goes to Lafayette Coney Dog for like three meals in a row, and he's there. Like that's 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 how he is. <laughs> the, the peaceful Tim. He's identical to Jones Junior. Measurables. Look it up. People are saying he's a, he's a combo between Jones Jr. and Chark, and that may that actually may be a good comp. I expect him to be your special teams he has guy. Long speed, yep. long speed for days. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And uh, can track the ball. Great good player. Yeah, that's a that's a good pick. Love that in the seventh round. Love that as a as a great opportunity for a guy that maybe can see some special teams play uh, to start and uh, work his way in as as a backup in the wide receiver core. Love to see a guy who can you know those are the great stories. The guys who Jerry Jacobs, right? The guys who come in and and just work their way from the ground up and become the guy, right? Love to love to see those kind of stories. And Antoine Green has a real opportunity. Um, Somebody asked about guard for next year. I think there's there's a lot that can be done between now and then. I'm not super worried about it. Darnell Wright, if the the once we traded out of six, I knew he was going to Chicago. I just I'm yeah. gonna tell you he 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 knows people there. There was a lot of really close uh pre-draft work from Chicago and Darnell. Uh I knew he wasn't going past Chicago. There's no way he was getting past them. I got that one and, in the final uh, mock too. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Uh, that was that was it. It just played out that it wasn't way. Wasn't a so, guess either. <laughs> stinks, yeah, stinks. But there, the connections were too strong for him ever to get past there. Plus, yeah, the name yeah, was and, too great. Like, just because he's in Chicago doesn't mean I'm going to root against him. He's, he's a good guy, uh, good yeah. player, real good his, player. I think his, I think Chicago got a lot better this draft. They had to get a lot better because they were barely an XFL team at the end of last season. His second contract That's in Detroit is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Uh, let me ask you this. And this is, I think, the thing where people talk about positional value and arguing about the draft and all this. Everybody got better in the draft. Everybody got better, right? That's, that's just what happens. The real question much, yeah. is in the degree of betterness that your team got, right. how much better did you get? compared to everybody else. And that's right. where the question, the real question out of this draft lands, because at the end of the day, that's what differentiates the people that make it to the playoffs in a Super Bowl and those who don't, those who got better, faster, or more better than anybody else. And I'm going to ask you, Riz, did we get better more than everybody else who got better? Or are we near the top of the getting betters compared to everybody else who got better? I would say we're near the top of the getting betters. We are. So to go back to Van Halen for a second, we went from David Lee Roth and we got Sammy Hagar. We did not get Gary Sharon like the Packers did. Um, That's just what they did. We're we're in that mold. (laughs) I I don't think we had the best draft. I think we are pretty close to the top. I I think there's a couple teams that I like. I like what they did a little bit more. I think they got a little bit more better. But in terms of the teams that are competing for playoff spots, like 
like I, I absolutely love what the Houston Texans did in this draft. They're still not, well, barring weirdness in the AFC South, which does tend to happen. They're not a playoff team. Like I think the Lions, for where they were at in sort of the middle, upper middle of the pack, improved more than a lot of the like. They're they're in the they're in the same boat as like Jacksonville, Seattle. Um, what other teams are in that range? Um, the Giants. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else is in that? Like, like that. The Chargers. I think they got better, more better. Thank you. Than more all of better. those teams did in the draft. I so do. T- and and here's the, and Tony takes it. Tony Chase in the chat takes it to the next level. Says that's where the coaches come in. Now you got to sculpt the talent to your yes. identity, if not your cheeks, and that's it. And this yeah, is where the, the difference is in Detroit. And I think that we talk about the player coaches piece. I think a lot of teams are starting to look towards this as they're moving and getting their coaching staffs built. But the Lions are really kind of pioneered the level to which they entrusted coaching to players and how they how they've grown. I think that helps them with their scouting. I help that I think that helps them establish what they want from a player and what they need player wise and talent wise in the draft and the difference between Caldwell Schwartz Patricia the, uh, the coaches for a long time before right how do these guys develop now I think we truly right. have coaches in place that we are not drafting players that are the best that they're going to be when they play for this team, we're playing, we're, we're drafting players that are at their baseline for what they're going to be when they play for the Detroit Lions. Is that hundred percent true? No, no GM is hundred percent correct. They are guys here that just aren't going to be it. Hopefully it's yep. not your first overall pick, you know, your number 12 pick. Hopefully it's, it's number two nineteen. Hopefully it's the UDFAs, but either way, there's going to be guys here that don't make it. It doesn't mean you're a bad GM. It doesn't mean you're terrible. Can't do your job. You just want more than can, and you want then your coaching staff to be able to make the most out of the guys and the talent that you got. And I believe that we have a coaching staff that can do that and will do that based on the growth we've seen out of this team in year one. And I'm talking just in the season in year two. And now what we're looking at, and I, and I want to one last thing. I just want people to look back and at last year's team and remember the players on the team. Cause there's a lot of those players that aren't there. But I, I will put a stake in the ground and say last year's Detroit Lions team are the team that changed the culture for the Detroit Lions from two decades of what that culture was. I think the corner was turned with those guys last year. They didn't win a playoff. They didn't win a playoff game. They didn't make it to the playoffs. They didn't win the championship. But those guys, I think, deserve a lot of credit for what they brought. Going one and six in the beginning of the season, not giving up, creating what that locker room is. And though every one of those players deserves credit for that and what they've created in this in this franchise, because this is going to be a different place and start from a different place this year. There. It was not easy for them to do that, and they did it. And they, they do deserve credit for that. And the coaching staff deserves credit for doing that because when you're one in six, like. And you're the Lions, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Here we go again. How, how did this one fail? I, I remember having these conversations on the air, in the gym, even on the podcast. Like, what the bleep do we do now? Like what, why didn't this work? What, what, you know, and, and thankfully 
Sheila's a patient owner. Thankfully, I think Brad and Dan doubled down on themselves. And I think that was a smart way to go. They didn't, they didn't try to change their course radically and steer into a different iceberg. They moved out into the open ocean. Yeah. And that's, that's the smartest thing that they could have done. They believed in their plan. Now, Matt Patricia also believed in his plan. Who called the best fourth yeah, quarter play in the history of the NFL? Right. That's doubling I'll down. We'll tell you that today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, it. I think they knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I think they probably in the in their darkest hour would admit they they probably didn't think it was going to be that foreboding. But they didn't panic. They didn't. You know, they fired their secondary coach. They that's they didn't do a lot of other things. They didn't. You know. Yeah, they traded away Hawkinson. That was more of a long-term financial poison pill to Minnesota as much as it was, you know, not getting rid of Hawkinson. By the way, I don't think we've seen the, the total fruition of that, but that, that will be coming into play soon because mm-hmm. they can't afford to pay everybody either. And uh, their depth is not at anywhere close to where our depth is, yep. speaking from a Lions perspective. So I like that. So yep. I, yeah, the uh, last year was difficult and then it was glorious. And that was a fun ride. And we felt like the, the real shift when that happened too. Like, cause like one and six, okay. You get, you get a couple of wins. Okay. All right. We're feeling better. Now we're at least like, we're not going to get the number one overall pick anymore. Like, so you're three and six and you're like, okay, going to finish six and 11. All right. That's better than where we were, but like, they just kept it going and kept going down. I call it playing downhill, which sound, makes it sound like they're they're going in the wrong direction. Playing downhill is a good thing. It means that you've got the momentum rolling forward, and they did a great job of of doing that without letting it get too far out of control. The Carolina game is a terrible exception, but mm-hmm. beyond that, like the everything else was great down the stretch. Like yeah. I'll, I'll, losing to Buffalo on Thanksgiving, okay, that's a good football team. They they deserve to win. They they were better that day. Um, they might not be better the next time we see them, and we could see them you know, in January next year. I'll tell you, good teams lose to bad teams sometimes. That Carolina game, I think, was a bit of an, an anomaly. I think those teams were a heck of a lot closer than that game was. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, I, I just think you know, those things happen sometimes. You, you'd you love. Sometimes you need to be humbled, too. And I think I think how many times collectively last- we as a Lions nation needed it. How many teams it. in the Super Bowl era have gone undefeated? Uh, that'd be zero. <laughs> well, one. Yeah, yeah, one. And how many dynasty teams yeah, are there? How many teams? Dolphins. How many times teams in that time are considered dynasty teams? You lose games. It's the it is the game. That's what happens. How you bounce back, how you play, how you do the things around that are is how you turn into a dynasty team. Losses happen. I I the Carolina game was an anomaly. We may still have lost it. They may have been a better team than us, but we did not play as the team that we were, and they played better than the team that they were at that time. And I think, you know, Brad said, um, Dan said it, Dan Campbell said it best when he said, you know, we learned a lot, right? We're not going to learn. They, they, they figured something out. He said that early in the season too. They figured something out about us that was now on tape. It's now out there for everyone. We can't let that happen again. We have to fix that. And it's a different it's a different mindset, man. It's a different mindset to be able to take something like that and say, you know, you know, Matt Patricia never learned from something like that. Matt Patricia oh, no. never learned. He didn't learn a thing from the Jets game. 
That's the one that, no, right? nothing. <laughs> he didn't learn one dang thing. And that's, I think, where a big, big difference is. And that's how you can tell the difference in developmental uh, processes for the players. It's the same for how they run the game, how they play the game, how they call the game, how they coach the team, and how they coach their players. Um, we got we to gotta roll a little bit. We were running long. It's so easy to talk about these draft guys, the draft forever. It's it really is. stoked. Yeah, a lot of good I'm, time. I'm, I'm losing. I'm literally losing daylight. I'm going fading into the darkness here. So <laughs> we got to go on this. <laughs> oh, God. I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, I was going to sing some fade to black for you. Um, all right. Uh, let's really quick. Defensive scheme changes. The potential for a scheme change with our new linebacker, Riz. No one but me. Ken. Fart, I can't remember the rest of it. Uh, no one but me. Can say uh, okay, let's talk about defensive schemes versus my terrible singing. Uh, what do you yes. see changing with the new look uh, at linebacker for the Detroit Lions? So. I talked about this in my draft video that I shot last week. And thank you all for the nice comments on that, by the way. Um, and yes, I am healthier now. Thank you. Um, I've slept some since then. Um, got medication. And shaved. Showered. Even showered, which was good. My family is very happy about that. Um, I hinted at it then. And I, I think they might play three linebackers more. And remember, this is a team that each of the last two seasons has had six offensive linemen on the field more than they've had three linebackers on the field. Like they just don't play, they do not play a four three. It's a four two five, or if you want to call it a five two. I think you're going to see more with three actual linebackers on the field now. Now, Derek Barnes and Rodrigo might be, it might not be a lot. Like Barnes might be a pass for a specialist, and I think that's probably where he's going to wind up. Rodrigo might like be the, he will, he will be the Mike, even though he's not going to be a technically a Mike Packers because he's small, <laughs> but he's going to be like, like you can see Anzalone being on one side of him and Campbell being on the other side of him. And he's patrolling the run between the tackles, which is where he's at his best. I yeah. think you're going to see more of that. I don't know. I think it's going to be their base, but I think you're going to see more looks of that. And I think, and, and this is, this is where my epiphany came, Chris. They realized that they needed to change the way that they approached run defense and that doing, doing it by adding more beef up front wasn't just the only reason. Let's maybe get, let's not make our safeties be our leading tacklers. Tracy Walker is the leading tackler on this team when he's healthy. The last two times, the last two seasons that he's finished, yep. he was their leading tackler. You're going to see more tackles from Anzalone, from Campbell and from the other linebackers that rotate in with them, and less tackles from Kirby Joseph, Tracy Walker, the outside corners crashing in, even though they can do those things. They're going to be more focused on the linebackers handling the run rather than the players around the linebackers. They are, more, they are bringing back into emphasis the off-ball linebacker into their defense. Can I, I have mixed feelings about that, but I'm willing, to, I'm willing to let them play it out because I think they have good talent that, that can do it. Can I, can I give you the why? Or not, well, I don't say the why, but the thinking here. You talk about multiplicity, right, and being able to do more things. Being able to play a three-linebacker set, which they really haven't been able to do with any kind of quality, yeah. I will say, is what would have saved them in the just previously mentioned Carolina game. 
They could have stopped yeah. the run. That would have changed that game. They came out. They didn't expect. Yeah, remember, they Deshaun saw. Elliott, who was their best tackling safety, did not play in that game. That they they did not Literally expect killed. to see that. They didn't expect to see that run right. from Carolina in that game. And when it showed up, guess what's nice to be able to do? You know what? We have to adjust. We're going to put three linebackers out there. We're going to make them now play outside of their game plan. And we're going to take the game to our, the way we choose to play it rather than allow them to, to continue to abuse us the way they choose yes. to. And that's exactly what being able to run a three linebacker set like that does. If they have to play a game where they're a primary three linebackers, they can. If they want to play, if they yes. can play a game where they want to, with a, with a, with a, uh, a scheme they want, absolutely. Lay it out. Mm-hmm. And that's what it gives them is the opportunity to change more to how they defend against more teams, which in then in turn gives them the opportunity to win more games. That's what I think the three linebacker piece is. I, like you said, I don't think it's a base set. I don't think it's the way they, they're going to run, but it just gives them a different tool set of tools to fight a whole different style of offense. Yeah. And because Campbell is as athletic as he is, and because Anceloni, I know people think he's slow. He's a, he's a very good athlete, folks. Yep. Because yep. they have that relative athleticism, that's going to help them when they play the Jalen Hurts of the world yep. and the Justin Fields of the world. And if Kyler Murray ever gets healthy, the, the mobile, the, the run, the legit run threat quarterbacks, not guys that are just going to like take off and run on a scramble drill like the way Aaron Rodgers has, but like guys who can actually like, you can run running plays for them. That's where the linebackers are going to come in handy. And I, and again, this is, this is just my speculation. I don't know that this is the, the, the thought behind it, but I think that they see that that's a better way to combat that type of situation than adding another defensive tackle who can't catch him in the open field anyways. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe let's, let's keep our, let's, let's get a big guy like Broderick Martin in there and Isaiah bugs in there. And and let's soak up those blockers so those athletic linebackers can go get that guy unencumbered. Don't make Tracy. I think I think that's the root of their defensive change this offseason. Don't make Tracy Walker have to make a business decision against Travis Henry. That's really what you, yes. where, where you're at, right? Uh, yeah. Alex Hooker, yeah. thank you. Well put. We are now more scheme diverse. That's what my lips were trying to say, but use way more words. There you go. <laughs> he said that in a sentence. It took me five minutes to say it. Thank you. Is that Alex? Thank you, Alex yep. Hooker. Thank yeah. you for that. Got more. We got hookers as far as the eye can see, brother. All right, let's get to the last one. This one came in and I, I, I'm i just going to have to kind of we're going to go around the division in the next show. We'll talk about the draft and what it means yeah, in the NFC North and so on. But I got this text today. And uh, when I asked Riz, we we're talking about topics and it came in as why the Packers draft suck donkey appendages. And the word appendages was not. The word that was in there, Mr. Dirty, Filthy Mouth Risden. Uh, but let's talk about how bad the Packers draft was and why those appendages were in the mouths of Packers fans. Okay, so this is why, this is why I don't do draft grades, because my draft grade for the Packers would be very, very low. And in, ge- <laughs> in general, most people seem to like what they did because they took an edge. They took an athletic tight end. They took... They took two tight ends. They took like, so. God, I'm sorry. I'm that, womp womp, that womp womp was actually. I didn't touch anything. I spilled a drink on the board on on draft night, and two of the buttons are messed up. That one just starts tricking by itself. That just happened to go off by itself at that exact moment. That's that's, <laughs> that's that's God working right there. 
Thank you, Lord. Sorry. Go ahead, brother. Um, that's beautiful. Um, Lucas Van Ness was my most overrated player that was going to be going in the first round. Mm -hmm. Luke Musgrave. Chris, we, we talked about this Friday night a little bit. Yeah. This guy, you're telling me that you've got a guy who's effectively an oversized, slow, wide receiver masquerading as a tight end who A, can't stay healthy, and B, can't catch a cold. In your second, it took him, they took him, what, 40? Did they take him with the Lions pick? I think right around did. there. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't have it. This guy, he barely made my top two. He cannot, he has never shown you he can play. Let me put it that way. He had two really impressive games for Oregon state at the beginning of last season. Before that, he was nothing. He's an athlete. He's a good, good dude. But when we watched him, we watched him in mobile, Chris, and everybody came away with everybody who was in mobile came away from like, that guy is really not good at football yet. <laughs> he could eventually become something. He is nowhere close to that right now. Like uh, our, our our former friend Adam Troutman got traded this week. Good for him. Remember Senior Bowl? We we hung out with him at, at the beer garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hung, hung oh, yeah. out with his peeps from Teton. <laughs> um, Adam Troutman is a significantly better football player today than what Luke Musgrave is, mm -hmm. and they spent mm -hmm. a top fifty pick on him. Yeah, um, he's not even he's not even in the stratosphere of Sam Laporta in terms of being able to contribute for an NFL team right now at the same position, at the same, roughly the same role of the same position, which is a receiving oriented tight end. And then they took another one yep. later yep. who's better. <laughs> well, and the their best pick was Jaden Reed. Jaden Reed's a great pick for them. I, I like that one a lot. That, guy, that guy's going to be good. I, I, I think Michigan state had no clue what they had in him. I think what, given him even rudimentary developmental coaching, which I think, you know, Give Packers some credit; they they do have some of that. I think he's going to be a really good fit. But Van Ness, he's Bluetooth. He he, he plays hands free. Didn't didn't ever learn that at Iowa. If you don't learn at Iowa, like Jack Campbell, learn things at Iowa. Sam Laporta, learn things at Iowa. Kayvon Merriweather, Derry Island, Riley Moss, all these guys got a lot better at football at Iowa. He well, hold on, hold on. Van Ness's dad does not play hands free. <laughs> Did you see that? <laughs> But I'm so, I think I have it. <laughs> he seized the day. <laughs> Mixed a lot's in trouble grabbing that juicy bubble. Woo, that was something, huh? Um, there's 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 some deep conversations going on in the Van Ness household after the draft. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Van Ness, uh, he does definitely know how to use his hands. Yes, that's for yes, sure. But yeah, yes. Their, their draft. Um, I shouldn't say they're they're. I actually like some of their day three things that they did, and I do like Reed, but they're. They're two like primary picks. Like they couldn't have done worse on them, in my opinion. Maybe I'll be maybe I'll look like an idiot in a year. That's that's okay. I tend to look like an idiot a lot. So but I, yeah, I really, really don't like what they did at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I, so I do like what Minnesota did. Basically, they didn't get a lot, but they got We'll go around the division Ad, in our Ad, next Addison show. With Jefferson's gonna be a problem. That, that's, we'll go around the division in our next show. You're running out of light, brother. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Don't forget about fanatics at DetroitLionsPodcast.com. Get your favorite jerseys right now. Get all your Lions gear right now. Help support the show right now. Hit the like button right now. Uh, fanatics.detroitlionspodcast.com. Get yourself hooked up. Get your friends hooked up and uh, hook us up by hooking that up. It doesn't cost you any more. 
uh, and helps the show along the way. Also, let's not forget about Amazon.DetroitLionsPodcast.com. That is a great place to get everything you do on Amazon and help us out along the way as well. All right. With all that and donkey appendages being completed, uh, let's talk about uh, close out the show. And a couple of quick messages. Don't forget about the party. Get it on your calendar. August 5th, Uptown Grill, Commerce Township, the training camp party. It's a riot. Had Jerry Jacobs last year. Nothing short of that. Going to have a great year. Great guest. We always do. Dan Miller always comes out. Haven't talked to him, but he asked us last year, when the hell's a party? So I don't think we have a problem with Dan again. It's a great time to have everyone out there and uh, we get everyone on there. Please join us and get that on your calendar now. Tickets on sale in a couple of weeks here. If you're in the Slack, you'll get a discount on those tickets. Go to patreon.com slash Detroit Lions podcast for as little as $5 a month. You'll get access to the Slack. You'll get a discount on the tickets. You can come to the party, hang out with us and everybody else. Autographs, pictures, the whole thing. It's a good time uh, for, for our guests, not for us. We're just a couple of guys. We hang out and then we do the show live. We hang out with everybody. And then literally then like we hang out and we just drink beer and talk football and have a good time together and do do all kinds of fun, fun stuff until they kick us out, which was 2 a.m. last time. So uh, the Slack is a way to start getting your discount on that. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at DET Lions Podcast and at Jeff Risen, as you see down below that darkened face of his, uh, at DET Lions Podcast or, yeah, pants free. All that. Give us a call on Skype, Detroit Lions Podcast, all one word, Detroit Lions Podcast, or call us in the Lions line at 248-782-8384. 248-RUB, you a fug. Great way to get in touch with us. Be sure to come to the Detroit Be sure to come to Detroit Lions Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Why, Riz? What happens when they come there? So, so I can come in your ear holes automatically. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. We're going to see you next time on the Detroit Lions podcast. Remember, no pants, no toasters, no hot tubs, no problems, because we're your best draft friends and Detroit Lions and Reddit Connection. Thank you all for joining us. See you soon. <laughs>